We go to John's Gospel, chapter 3. And we're going to do verse 1 to 21. Can you all hear me, yeah? Not used to these gadgets at all. New technology. Because my voice is loud enough, so I don't need all this stuff. That's why I brought lubrication, because my moat moves so fast, I have to lubricate it every so often. That's just cork, isn't it? It's just cork as well. The Lord has blessed me with a mighty moat. <laughs> Could look at that in different ways. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you'll hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and you do not know these things? Most assuredly I say to you, We speak what we know, and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven. That is the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the, in the wilderness, even so must the, man, the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who descends who does not believe in him, is already condemned. Too far away for the eyesight. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone who practices evil hates the light, and does not come into the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the, tru who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. And my lecture this morning is just about new birth, being born again. And what is being born again? It's, you know, the literal translation is born from above. Can you all say that there, lads? Eh? Born from above. Nicodemus had a real need, and he knew it. Yet he was a very religious man. By our standards today, you would say he had everything. Religious, moral man, you know, I went to a bit more as you go along, but he had everything, yet he knew there was something missing. And we all probably felt it before we were born again. We all had this void in us that people filled with, you know, um, new cars, jewellery, you know, new suits, new houses. We try and fill the void and we won't accept exactly what the void can only be filled by is with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what happens when we become born again. We needed a change of heart to have a spiritual transformation. 
he needed a, a new birth being born, in, uh, and of course the new birth being born is an act of God whereby, and that's actually, we're going to be talking a bit more about that, the act of God. It's not us. We, no matter what we can do, we can't become born again. It's as an act of God. And you know, when we think of it actually, when we look at it and realise, God came down and lived in our hearts. You know, that's an amazing testimony. It's strange sometimes to people outside, but when it actually, when they actually, you know, realise it, and it happens to them, you know, they know that something has happened in the life of God, where eternal life is imparted to the person who believes. Now, the most important thing, of course, you have to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me, Jesus. The way I look at it sometimes, where Jesus died on the cross for me. No other religious leader died on the cross for me. You know, so people have to say to me, oh, what about Buddha? He's a God of love and all this. But he never died on the cross for me. You know, Muhammad didn't die on the cross for me. Jesus Christ died on the cross for me. That's the way, you know, when I look at that, and we have one of our songs there, we, we don't know exactly what suffering he went through for everyone here at this moment today and for the whole world. And they're true. All born-again believers in the Lord Jesus Christ need to be able to explain this important element in preaching the gospel to the unsaved. Because sometimes when we're telling people about Christ, we can find a hard or a stumbling block about this word born again. I remember witnessing to a guy in the Navy years ago, um, and he said to me, oh, you're born again? Oh, you have two belly buttons. Ha, ha, ha. And the way, you know. I says, I have two belly buttons. You know, I have one from my old birth, and I have one now from my new birth. But I didn't realize I actually said that until I was after I said that was a funny thing to say. But it's actually true. Our new birth, we are actually, we have an unbiblical card to the Lord Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. Isn't it true? So if people say to you, oh, you have two belly buttons, say, yeah, I have. You know? Because I have no problem with that. I'm a fool for Christ. You know, we don't be a fool for anyone else in the world, but be a fool for Christ. And that's what he says in your word. You know, isn't it true? So that's very, very important that as we witness to people and talk to them and they'll ask questions about being born again. They'll find like Nicodemus was a very strange teaching. So what I want to do is get through these uh, few slides to kind of make it, us more relaxed when we're actually going to preach that word to someone. You know, uh, you know, we all know the gospel message, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son. And sometimes we work on that. And that's, that's ideal. There's a merit in that. But we also need to realize and tell people what exactly happens when it, when, it, when it happens. You know? And we can only be saved if we are born again. So that's actually a very, very important point. You know? Unless we're born again from above by the Holy Spirit, we're not saved. And that's, um, you know, it took me a long time to get grasped at for many years when I was born again. Because I didn't feel anything at the time. I felt it the I was born again. Now, like if I told you my testimony it happened to me on 6th of August 1991 in the main street of Cove you'd know and I knew something happened to me but I'll, use, I'll keep my testimony for another day because I could talk for the rest of the evening on my testimony alone but not everyone gets that testimony some people get a silent little movement to the Holy Spirit in their bodies or in their, in their, their, into their hearts but over a process of time you will realise that the Lord is moving in your life. You'll find that you're completely changing your way of life. Your repentance actually turning you completely around. That's what repentance is. It's turning completely around. I was going this way, and now I'm going this way. It's an opposite effect. So that's what repentance is all about. And you'll always so feel that, because you'll you want to read the Word of God. Many, I read the Bible for years before I was born again. And it was, it was a good moralistic book. I love some little Bible passages, and I used to highlight them. And the Gideon Bibles, I don't know if you ever remember the Gideon Bibles, because, um, you know, uh, in, the, in the Navy where I was, we all got these little Gideon Bibles each. They didn't expect us to read them, but when we did, we moved mountains, because when I became born again, I used, 
I really moved in the, uh, uh, around in the... They probably said, look, we shouldn't give him that Bible. Look what he's doing. You know, but it was the Holy Spirit that was in me was doing it. I didn't want to do it. I wanted to blame them. In with the crowd. And it's very hard in the military to blame them with the crowd, you know. I'll step outside the crowd, you know, and go out and walk with the Lord. But that's what they've done. Go and look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. You don't have to go to them because we're up here. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That's what being born again is. The old has passed and the new has come. You mightn't feel it when it happens to you, but it actually works over, you know, in a, over a process of time. Titus 3.5 says, He saved us not because of works done by, his by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. So he had mercy in every one of us. Do you know? It's amazing when you think of it and you think of that. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So a picture should begin to form in your mind that it's not a religion. What's religion? Religion is man's way to God. We do loads of different things and loads of different works and hopefully we get into the presence of the Lord. But it's the Lord that does the work here. And when you look at Nicodemus, he was doing the opposite of all this. He was doing everything that he thought was right. 1 John 2.29 If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. You know, there's a lovely Bible verse that says, by your fruit you will know him. You know, you often hear people saying, oh, I'm born again. And people are claiming that left, right and center all over the place. But by your fruits you will know him. Because when you're born again, you know the Holy Spirit is working in it. Isn't it true? 1 John 3, 9, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God sins, and a practice is the word there. We all sin, even though we're born again. But we don't go out of our way to sin. It can happen in our nose to us, and you know, what we've done and what we've failed to do. Remember that in the Catholic Bible? Remember the Catechism? We used to have a prayer there. But what we've done and what we've failed to do. But the thing is, we need to go back to God straight away, back to Jesus and say, I repent of that. When it's brought to our mind. Is that true? So, you know, we're in the world. We're not going to be fully fledged, born again Christians until we're actually with him in heaven. When we get a new suit of clothes and a new body. Isn't it true? So, you know, when you do sin, you know... We all do it, every one of us every day, even Andrew as a pastor probably would as well. We all sin, you know. And I'm not just saying that, but I'm just saying every one of us are weak. We're in the world, and the world is, you know, the materialism and secularism that's taken over the world at the moment is wiping nations out. It's one of the most dangerous uh, foes of the gospel at the moment. Materialism and secularism. I want, I want, I want, I want. That's what it's all about. I want, I want, I want. We don't want God. We don't need God. Remember witnessing to a very rich couple. And the first thing they said, sure, we don't need God. We have everything. And that's the problem, isn't it? And you'd wonder then, you know, sometimes people have to say, another person said to me one time, he says, I sure all them born again Christians, they're all the dropouts when they become born again. They all have to reach the low on the ground and all this. We don't. You know, a lot of us have dropouts. You know, in the end of the day, and we, there is people in the street who, you know, get to the low. But the Lord brings us to our lowest point so we realize we can't depend on anything else and we reach out to him. And I praise the Lord that he done that for me. Isn't it true? Because he, uh, God seed abides in him, and you know, the Holy Spirit, when he resides in us, that keeps us on, uh, we cannot keep on sinning, because he has been born of God. 1 John 4 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Love is very, very important as well. Um, do you know, when you look, there should be, in, in, in a church, 
We're all servants of each other. And that's the way it should be. In the Bible verse there, Paul says, we shouldn't lord it over each other as the pagans do. So sadly, what the Lord, the actual Paul in you know, the Gospels call people who don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, pagans. It's amazing, actually. We often think of pagans as something way back in the old ages, the Stone Age and all these there. But, you know, he says, if you don't believe in God, you're, you're a pagan. Isn't it true? You know, so the only uh, problems that we, we, there should be is believers and unbelievers. Every believer in the church should be all merged into one. We're a cog in the wheel. I, I always use it with the little thing I have here. You know, I don't, carry a cru- I don't have a crucifix around my neck. I don't have a fish. But I have this little cog. And this little cog is very, very important. I got it in France there a couple of weeks back. I was reading a, a book by Pastor Yun. And he, he was an amazing ch- uh, Chinese preacher. And um, he was doing mighty things for the Lord. But he got, but pride came in, because pride comes in everywhere, lads. When we start doing mighty things, pride comes in. And he, pride came into him, and, and all of a sudden, he was brought down low by the Lord, because the Lord wanted him, the Lord was saying to him, I want you to do, be my mouthpiece. I'm not up here being my mouthpiece, I want to be the Lord's mouthpiece. I want to be the mouthpiece to, to preach the word for God. And he realized that all he was was a cog in the wheel. And a cog in the wheel means, you, you know, you have loads of different cogs. All the church joined together, all the small, and see how small that is? That's all we are, we're all small cogs. But every one of us joined together can grow into one big massive cog. And the other thing as well is, the Lord, if you're not working with the Lord and walk with the Lord, and you know, you're in the Lord, he'll take that cog out. You won't lose your salvation, but he'll take that cog out and put another cog in there. Because the salvation mission has to go out. And that's what we mean here when we're going along with being born again. So it's, it's, it's kind of a reminder for me. But the laugh about it was, the next day after reading Pastor Young's book, I find that, found that in Nguyen Street in France, one of the streets I was rotten down. So I knew the Lord was talking to me. You're only a cog in the wheel, and it kind of wakes up a bit too sometimes. Because sometimes we can, get, we can jump ahead of ourselves. Years ago, I remember running with, you know, with the Bible and saying, Come on, Lord, catch up with me, we've loads of things to be doing. <laughs> the Lord doesn't need me to preach the word. In Malaysia at the moment, there's a mighty movement of the Holy Spirit. There's no mysteries gone in there. But they're actually moving inside. So the Lord is bringing people up in the actual illiterate uh, nations in Malaysia. And they're actually pastoring their own flocks. So the Lord doesn't need us sometimes to go out and do the missionary work. Even though the West was great for the missionary work one time. We went all over the world. Now China is sending missionaries out into the West and into the East. You know? So in the end of the day, you know, materialism and secularism has brought the West down. And it's bringing it down every day. 1 John 4, 7, Beloved, let us love one another. So that's very, very important, lads. Let us love one another. We mightn't like each other, but we still must love each other as Christ loved the church. 1 John 5, 1 to 4, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. See, it's very important too as well what you believe. There's a lot of people who say, Oh, I, I believe in God. I have faith. But when you actually probe and you say, Who have you got faith in? They can't ask that. Or they might say, I believe in God. But when you mention Jesus, they don't want to know. So, you know, Jesus is the Son of God, you know, and, you know, Jesus came as God when he came back that time, and, of course, the Jews wouldn't believe him, because you couldn't be God, because God is only one in all this. And you'll find people saying that to you, oh, I believe in God, but I don't believe in this Jesus. But you have to. He says, who believes in Jesus? Jesus, all things are put under Jesus' feet. Isn't that true? Everything has been allocated to Jesus after his death on the cross for the whole world. So, you know, he's the propitiation. That's the word you see there in the Bible, a nice big word. Propitiation. He stands in the gap. So when the Father looks down at us, sinful, miserable people, he sees Jesus. And as, being, as we have come to him and been born again, you know, he doesn't see our sin anymore. He sees us as 
sons of God, sons of the living God. You often hear that word, sons of the living God. What is the son of the living God? You've been, it's imparted to you when you become born again. Isn't that true? That Jesus is the Christ has been born of God and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and obey his commandments, and for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. You know, sometimes we probably feel things are burdensome on us. But that's the devil. We mentioned it down a few of the songs. Satan is an amazing way of coming in in the mental plane. The, the, uh, we call it, you hear people calling it about the astral plane and all that. But he's the spirit, he's the God of the spiritual world. And he comes in and bounces off us with stuff all day long. Oh, you're no good. Don't be reading that book, that's rubbish. You know, you take out the Bible verse and see a verse. Oh, that's not for you. You know, it's, it, he's bouncing off us all day long. What do we need to do? Submit to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Because the battle has been lost to him. You know, people, I heard a fellow saying one day, oh, I'd rather go down to hell because I'll rock and roll down to hell and all this and go and play my guitars and all this kind of stuff. They're in for a big shot. Because the devil's going to be one of them down there wrapped up in chains. Isn't it true? You know, they all think that the devil has his own domain down in hell and there's a fight between God and the devil all the time, you know, and there's a big chasm and the devil is at this side and God's... The devil is actually a created being by God. So when God clicks his fingers, he's gone as well. But the problem with the devil is he knows his days are numbered. He knows he's on his way down. So he's bringing people left, right and centre with him as well. You know, and that's the sad thing about it. And his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world of faith. And of faith, of course, in God. 1 John 5.18, I love Bible verses. I love backing up things with Bible verses. Uh, You know, um, it's very, very important that the word of God is used all the time when you're preaching. Or, you know, if you have a Bible with you and you're talking to someone about being born again or whatever, it's always good to have the Bible with you or some, you know, or even the Bible gateway which is on your app, which is great sometimes because we can't all walk around with a Bible every day, but now you can walk around with your phone and it's on your phone. You know, so it's Bible verses are always great to back it up. And the Holy Spirit, if you're witnessing to someone, don't panic. I always find, you know, I say, what am I going to say to that person now? The Holy Spirit will come in in his time. Don't jump ahead. Wait on the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will lead and guide you. And he'll bring the verses to the fore. You know, it's amazing, we, we underestimate the Holy Spirit sometimes. But if you're born again, he's actually living in you. So where you go, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that's actually very important as well, because where you go, what you say, what you do, is all being watched by the Holy Spirit, you know. So we need to be aware of that as well. 1 John 5.18, we know that everyone who is born of God does not sin. But he who is born of God guards himself, and the wicked one does not touch him. The wicked one, of course, is the evil one. Again, I mentioned about sin that we do, we are sin, but we, you know, we repent of it straight away. We don't go out of a way to sin. Being born again isn't a license for sin either. You have, you have a certain sect of people out there saying, oh sure, we can do what we want now because, we, you know, Jesus died on the cross for us. But it's not a license for sin. You know, in, in the end of the day. You're not, but what does it say in the Word? That you're crucifying a Lord all over again when you go along with that agenda. You know? John 1, 12 13, but as many as received into him, he gave the right to become children of God. See, people have to say, you know, we're overall children of God. But we're not. It's only people who are born again are children of God. And sometimes you have to kind of tell people that. Unless you're born again, you're not a child of God. You come into his family. Isn't it true? To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Not of blood. I'll go into this a bit more actually in the slides online, but not of blood means you're not born into the kingdom of God by your father being a born again Christian or your mother being a born again Christian. 
You have to do it yourself. Each individual has to stand before God. God does not have any grandchildren. Each individual has to stand before God and give an account of himself to the Lord. So, you know, the most important witness we have in our families, and people often say, oh, I'm not a missionary, I could never be a missionary. But we need to mission to our own families. Every chance we get, we need to witness to our wives, our brothers, our sisters, our daughters, our grandchildren. Every chance. Because we don't know what's going to happen to him tomorrow. So sometimes we, you know, we kind of fob it off sometimes and we kind of say, oh, I'm too busy now today, I have things to be doing, we need to go somewhere, we need to do this. We need to be witnessing them all the time. Isn't it true? Every chance, because we don't know what's uh, tomorrow. I got a phone call this morning from a 49-year-old first cousin in America, or in, in England, he's only two days to live. You know, from alcohol, you know, he's drinking alcohol in his life. You know, there's a guy, 49, you think we're in the middle of a youth. You know, we had a politician died 50 years the other day. You know, so age makes no difference. You know, you don't know when you're going to die. Twenty-year-olds are dying. Ten-year-olds uh, ten are dying. We tried a two-year-old, you know, not more than there a week ago. So, in the end of the day, we don't know when the Lord's going to call us, but we need to be aware that every chance we get to see someone, try and witness them. Follow the Holy Spirit's leading. Sometimes you mightn't be able to do it. You might, you might say, oh, I wish I could talk to that person. You just say, Holy Spirit, lead me and guide me, here, huh? and he will come in. And he knows exactly what will be said to that person. Because sometimes you can say things like I used to one time, confrontational. I remember all the guys used to be coming on the, the boat in the morning. We used to be a military policeman on the boat. And they'd come on and I'd salute them all on. And the commanding officer would come down. And he'd say, good morning, corporal, he'd say to me. And I'd say, good morning, soldier, are you born again? And he'd look at me again. Huh? And he'd, he'd say, I'd fix that fellow. You know, I knew no way comfortable Because you don't say that to the commanding officer. I said, you need to be born again. You know? And all the senior officers and senior ranks. And any time they see me on the boat, they'll be all trying to dodge me. Do you know? But in the end of the day, you know, I, I was overstepping my mark because there is a time and a place and there's the Holy Spirit. I was doing it on my own strength. Sometimes we can do so many things on our own strength that we realize, hold on, yes, I'm doing it on my own strength. You know? We can't control what's happening in the world. We can't do, uh, you know, we can't protect the world. It's the Lord that's doing that. We need to, you know, preach the word in season and out of season. So it's not a blood, nor the will of the flesh. There's nothing I can do that can get me to heaven. No matter what I do or what I try, I can't get to heaven. It's the, the Lord's doing. He comes down and, as I believe in him and, and uh, opens my heart and I become born again. Not the will of man. There's no man out there can make him get to heaven. You know, there's so many religious creeds out at the moment that say, oh, if you do this and you do this and you do this, you get to heaven. You know, but you look back to Nicodemus. He had been doing everything. And yet God told him, you need to be born again. So, you know, when you think of it. So it's of God, in the end of the day. So God makes the decision. John Wesley, I don't know if you've ever heard him. He was a kind of Charles Wesley and John Wesley. They were there back in the 1730s. He was born in 1703. Um, preached. There were itinerant preachers. You call them itinerant preachers. They moved all over preaching the word of God. And they set up the middle of this church, of course, as well. But he always preached on, you must be born again. Imagine starting off your message, you go up to the podium, they're all standing there, because that time people used to watch people, and he showed out, you must be born again. And they were kind of looking at him and saying, why is he coming from here? And why? Because you must be born again. When he was asked the question, why do you always preach on born again? Because you must be born again. The whole nuts and bolts, and the cog revolves around that. Also, John 3.3, 3, the Lord said, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. So, you know, people ask you questions, so why do we need to be born again? These are the questions, the answers here. Ephesians 2 1 says, and He made alive all who were dead in trespasses and sins. Even though we were sinful, and we were a sinful generation, He came down, you know, as we believed in Him and came into our hearts. Romans 3 23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's an amazing verse. 
You meet some people and they say, oh, I don't sin. You know? And every one of us sins. You just go through some of the, the, the Ten Commandments of some people and, you know, ask them, have you ever lied? Have you ever uh, looked at a woman lustfully or a man looked at a woman lustfully? You know, straight away you're breaking the Ten Commandments. And when you bring that to their pitch, when you bring that to them straight away, we use the Ten Commandments as a stepping stone and, a, and a, you know, it points away and shows you what our sin was, but it doesn't get you to heaven. Obeying the Ten Commandments don't get you to heaven. It's only been born again to get you to heaven. I better lubricate this mouth. <laughs> so why do we need to be born again and continue with the next couple of three bullet points because the Lord Jesus Christ said so that ought to settle it because I have a sinful nature and what Jesus says is truth isn't the truth so people have to say oh sure well, we don't need to be born again but Jesus Christ said it that nature will re- uh, we all receive from Adam is fallen, corrupt and totally depraved Jeremiah 17.9 says it so well God says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, who can know it? Just look around you, look at the wickedness in the world at the moment. The deceit, the corruption from the top to the bottom. Unless Christ is in uh, these organizations, they're going to be corrupt. We were talking there earlier on about Disney, you know, and the, the support of, for abortion and supporting all these things over the years. And yet you think because there's a Disney, pro, a Disney um Future that would love all children, but you see, there's a hidden agenda. The devil's ruling these organisations. The devil's behind any organisation that's not born again. There will never be peace in the world until the Prince of Peace is invited into people's hearts. So, no matter what's happening out there with the world, you know, it's only Jesus Christ can sort it out. You know, you hear these organisations saying, "Oh well, do this for peace, and we'll do that for peace." But it's only when Jesus Christ comes into your heart that peace will will abound. Sinners are spiritually dead. And that's the, the, the thing about it, lads. We're spiritually dead. Can you remember when you weren't born again? You went off and done your own thing. You tried to be as moralistic or whatever as you could, but you still, you still were spiritually dead. But when you received a spiritual life through faith in Christ, the Bible likens it to a rebirth. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. So you had to have faith in something, which was Jesus Christ. And not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, and that's actually very important. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We're great people for boasting sometimes, aren't we? What do you think of my new shoes? Eh? Just love the eh? pants. We love boasting. Sometimes it's all smart and stuff, but you know, when people get into high places, and it's so sad to see some of the churches at the moment, prosperity teaching and all that, boasting about their planes and boasting about how many cars they have. You know, if Jesus came back this moment and looked at that, what would you think he'd say? You know? And it can happen to any one of us. Because the devil fell with pride. Just about pride. He fell from, you know, pride. Every one of us gets it. So we need to watch uh, and, and be aware of the, the devil's um, temptations. Trusting in Jesus Christ is the one who paid the penalty of sin. When he died on the cross, this means to be born again. So you trust in Jesus Christ, the one who paid the penalty of sin. We've done it earlier on in the communion. We remembered him of his death on the cross and the bloodshed on Calvary for every one of us. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So we must realize that Jesus spoke these words on the new birth to a man who was doing his best to gain heaven. Without a doubt, he was neither a thief, drunkard, nor gambler. He was a true husband, a good neighbour, a man of clean morals and religious. I would have loved if my father was even that. Because a lot of us say, you know, would look and say, well, I wish my father had even half that stuff there. But yet he wasn't born again. He needed to be repentant and go to heaven. 
a lot of probably parents, people would have parents of that. Same caliber as well. We'd love to have true husbands, good neighbours, a man of clean morals and religious. Not a gambler, not a drunkard, not a thief. You know? Drunkenness and gambling is bringing down nations. To have you know on the internet doing gambling. Oh, should gamble, we'll give you 50 quid and we'll get you, you know, get a free bet. The moment you step in, you're in trouble. I know guys, there was a guy who walked next to me in, um, in Little Island and he was putting hundreds every day on gambling, online gambling. He was getting his wages and it was gone. And the sad thing about it, he says, I'm after winning a thousand euro. He says to me one day, oh, I'm after winning a thousand. You know, at the end of the day, he was after giving that ten times over. I says, take it out so and put it in. Oh, he says, you can't take it out. So, you know, you're gambling your money, but you can never get the money from them. Did you know that? Online gambling is like that. People think that you could just take a thousand euros out and take it out and put it into your account, but you can't. It has to stay in there. It's like a credit. But as your money is out of your bank account, has been taken. So keep away from online gambling. If you're involved in online gambling, as it'll wipe you out. Any kind of gambling. I don't even do the lotto. If the lotto wants to give me the lotto, he'll give it to me. I don't have to do the lotto to do it. Sometimes we want, we want, we want. We're, we're blending in with the materialistic world. The materialistic world is bringing down the church because materialism has sneaked into the church and secularism, you know. If he needed to be born again, so do we. So it's amazing, isn't he? How does one expect to make it to heaven without being born again unless if, Nicod- if Nicodemus couldn't? You may try to keep the golden rule, pay your bills, be a good neighbour, stay out of jail and live a clean moral life, but that won't make you born again. So these are all lovely questions that you'll get when people are asking you, how should I do all these things? But you actually can counteract them and say, yeah, you can do all these things, but Jesus says you need to be born again. It's not recorded that our Lord said, to, said you must be born again to cowardly, vacillating pilots, because he was double-minded, that word vacillating means double-minded person, or two-faced hypocritical Jews. Why? Because we would say, I know miserable hypocrites like Judas and men like Pilate who need to be born again, but not me. I'm clean, I'm moral. See, when you actually look at who Jesus was talking to, a very, very religious man, who in our eyes would you know, would, would be automatically going to heaven. But in the end of the day, you know, he didn't say to, to Judas, because we would point the finger and say, oh sure, I'm not like Judas, I'm not like Hitler, you know, I'm not like Stalin. I'm not like any of them. Sure, I'm grand. But that's not the way it goes. This was taught, this, uh, Jesus talked to a very, very religious man. Sure, I wouldn't betray Christ with a kiss after procession to be his friend. We would. If we were there on that day, we would have done the same thing. Because we would have blended in with the crowd. I wouldn't order Jesus to be beaten and then turn him over to a howling blood, tossed him up to be crucified. You know? We have to think when you were there at that time. Peer pressure is an amazing thing. We have it in the schools at the moment. Our colleges are pumping out Marxist anarchists because they're all following the crowd. They should be going to school for education and they're getting all these disciplines and other uh, uh, anarchist, uh, anti-God teachings. And of course what's happening is they're taking God out of the the schools. They're taking God out of the church. Even in churches, the garden stations, there's a garden station, a new garden station built in Cove, a couple of years ago, there was murder because they, were, they wanted to take the crucifix out. You know. So, the devil's moving in. He's like a tentacle getting in everywhere. And where he can get rid of God out of the system, the system falls. So, murderers, rapists, thugs, adulterers, liars, drunkards and gabblers need to be born again, but not me. I'm all right. Isn't that what we usually say? But we're all murderers. What's a murderer? If you call your fool, uh, someone a fool, you're a murderer. You know. Your thugs, 
Have we ever been in fights? Beating up people? The, the, the amazing thing at the moment I see out there is the, the spirit of violence and aggression. It's everywhere. You drive a car, there's people cutting you up, cutting left, right and centre. The spirit of aggression is everywhere, lads. We need to be aware of these things as well. Just the, the, the devil's moving in in every area. It's even in our football pitches. You have the kids playing each other in football, and you have the parents shouting the road in abusive language at the opposite, opposing kids. Do you know, where is it coming from? The, the aggression. There's a spirit of aggression coming in there, and it's, it's, it's moving in around, the, you know, it's out there in the world. And that's all, of course, all part and parcel of when you throw God out, all this comes in. Sure, I'm a good person. I never harmed anyone. I go to church once a week. I was always amazed about that once a week. You know, the, the Catholic church says, you go to church once a week, you'll be fine. What happens if you die on a Wednesday? You know? What happens if you don't go to confession on the Saturday? You, you die on the Friday. You know, so, you know people, we got five senses from the Lord, and we never tend to use them. We, we tend to, to follow what the world is teaching us. Don't worry about your senses, we'll tell you what the world is. We'll tell you what to do, we'll tell you how, we, how it happens. We have five senses and we need to use them that the Lord gave us. And sometimes when you step back and say, oh, hold on a second, I'm going to use my five senses. The Bereans used them when they were looking at Jesus when he was preaching. They said, hold on, we're going to step back. We're not going to listen to anyone else. We're going to go away and we're going to check the word of God. And that's why it's very, very important to double check and treble check everything else. Even if one would change their behavior and bad habits, that wouldn't be the new bet. Your trouble is not on the outside, but on the inside. You don't need exterior decoration, but interior regeneration. We don't need to put on a suit and tie to go to, and go to church and think, oh yeah, we're lovely. Because when I was growing up, there was people in suit and ties, suits and ties that went home and, you know, battered their children and their, and their wives. But they were in church and they were giving out communion. You know, it's amazing. It's hypocritical. It's interior regeneration. It's a person that when you see him, could be a wino on the side of the street, and you see something in that person that has the Spirit of God in him. It emanates out through him. Satan wants people to rest in false peace. He loves keeping us so busy, we take our eyes off the cross. And we can be so busy in things nowadays. Or oh, you can do great things for the Lord. We do this, do this, do this. But we've forgotten our first love. You read Revelation, you've forgotten your first love. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Hear what the Spirit is saying to our individual hearts. What is the Holy Spirit saying to each of us? We need to keep our first love, we know, which is Jesus Christ. So we take our eyes off the cross and look at our own works. But we must not be satisfied, satisfied unless we have been born again. It's a mystery you cannot explain, explain, but a reality no one can explain away. John 3.7 says, Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The, blind, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Just as Nicodemus could not understand or explain the wind, so no one can understand or explain the new birth. So it's a mystery. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. As his divine power in nature has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, to the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which we have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature. What's the divine nature? That was imparted to us when we were born again. That comes into our, into our hearts. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And lust is the world, you know, lust doesn't actually just be for lusting other people. It's lust for, you know, all these material things that's out there. I want, I want, I want. Lust for cars, lust for houses. When you become born again, these things happen to you instantaneously. 1 Thessalonians 1 10 says, you were saved from the wrath of God. Romans 5.5 5 says, the Holy Spirit of God is sent to live inside of you. 
And 2 Peter 1.4, you inherit a new nature. It's amazing being born again, lads, isn't it? When you think of it. That we have that gift of being born again. And yet, you know, I often look down at people and say, well, they, they're, they're more, you know, they should have got being more born again than me. You know, what do I have that they haven't got? Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of ourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We mentioned that back again, but it's one of the famous, brilliant verses there. Titus 3, 5 says, Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Again, John 11, uh, 1, 11 to 13, just reiterating some of the verses I went through already. He came to his own, and his own received him not. Who were his own? Jewish nation, wasn't it? But as many received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name, which, we were, uh, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Hebrews 1.3 says, Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by his word of his power. That's amazing. Everything is in control. The Lord is in control of everything. We've panicked sometimes about the, you know, climate change and storms and then we have all these big lumps of ice falling on, uh, you know, someplace in, where is it, up to Malaysia or somewhere the other day. Lumps of ice were falling to kill six people. But the Lord is still in control. This is, I call them the shaking of, the, of the, the, the walls, the end times. We need to be aware of that. We need to discern what's going on around us and not be fearful because God is in charge, you know. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Galatians 3.26 says, For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. If you have never trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as a Savior, will you consider the prompting of the Holy Spirit as he speaks to your heart? We all need to be born again. Will you pray the prayer of repentance and become a new creation in Christ today? John 1.12.13 says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor a husband's will, but born of God. If you want to accept Jesus Christ as a Savior and be born again, here is a simple prayer. Now, the very next line is very, very important. Saying a prayer doesn't save you. It's what the heart condition of turning to Christ. When you look at the, the <coughs> thief on the cross, did you hear him saying a repentance prayer? No, he knew that Jesus was the way. And he just, in his mind... You know, trusted in Jesus, and what did Jesus say? Today you will be with me in paradise. So the prayer was sometimes easy for people to lead people along, because sometimes when you don't feel anything, you'll say, no, I don't feel nothing. But at least you know when you said the prayer, and you said it from the heart, that there is a movement that the Holy Spirit will walk in, the, walk in you over a process of time. Or you could have what happened to me, like a flame going through me forest, straight to my feet, out in the main street in Cove. And I knew something happened to me, because I couldn't deny it. But the Lord needed to do that with me. But other people, he do a silent little, you know, born-again experience. It's only trusting in Christ that can save you from sin. This prayer is simply a way to express to God your faith in him and thank him for providing for your salvation. And the repentance prayer can be anything, but this is a very simple one. God, I know that I have sinned against you and am deserving of punishment. But Jesus Christ took the punishment that I deserve so that through faith in him I could be forgiven. I place my trust in you for salvation. Thank you for your wonderful grace and forgiveness and the gift of eternal life. Amen. That's it. People have to say, oh, you're trying to convert him and convert him. It's the Lord does the conversion. Praise the Lord that he does the conversion. I don't do the conversion. So, you know, if you say that prayer from the heart and if, if you actually remember anything along those lines when you're leading someone to Christ, you know, that's all it is. And it's done. 
There's no twisting of the arms or saying, why do you come in here now and join this church? Because joining a church doesn't make you a Christian. It's being born, born above makes you a Christian. Thanks very much for that. I hope I wasn't too. <clears throat>